They're never told by their mothers to stop playing in the dirt. Dirty claws don't seem to bother them. As a matter of fact, living in the dirt is a way of life for fossorial animals. What are they? Stay tuned. There are a whole group of animals that live underground some of the time or all of the time. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Fossorial animals aren't dead, preserved remnants of the distant past that are buried in rock layers. They're actually creatures that burrow or live underground. Although the thought of living in the dirt isn't very impressive, these critters have some amazing abilities. How does their created design support their dirty living arrangements? Dig in for the next 15 minutes as we uncover some fascinating facts about some popular fossorial animals. ICR Museum curator Cindy Carlson holds degrees in biology and zoology. She says there's a variety of fossorial animals. There are a whole group of animals that live underground some of the time or all of the time. These animals are called fossorial animals, which means they have special traits that enable them to dig in the earth. Some examples are badgers, chipmunks, and tortoises, but also among the fossorial animals are ants and earthworms. One especially good digger that God made is the mole. Moles are small, tube-shaped animals that can be described as looking like furry sausages with legs. Of course, this is a great body style for an animal that lives in tunnels underground. So, what are some special features of the mole? These little animals have proportionately large front leg bones and forepaws that are turned outwards instead of down. These front paws have sharp, hard claws, and they dig through the dirt with a strong breaststroke type motion, kind of like swimming through the dirt. Their velvety fur moves in both directions, so they can go forward and backwards without resistance. Their small eyes are partially covered with skin, and they have no external ears to get filled up with dirt. Moles are very busy creatures. They are active day and night, and they just rest for brief periods between their busy digging. They dig tunnels near the surface to find their food, which consists of insects and earthworms, grubs. Their saliva paralyzes their prey, and the food that is not eaten right away is stored in chambers that the moles dig deeper down in the earth, sometimes 10 feet below the surface. Some of these underground pantries have been found to have over a 1,000 earthworms in them. Cindy Carlson continues to teach us about moles by introducing us to an unusual one with a special feature that is out of this world. One of the most interesting moles in all of God's creation is the star-nosed mole. This little creature lives in the northeastern United States and parts of Canada. This species gets its name from 22 fleshy pink appendages at the end of its nose that is called a star. Extensive research has been done on this little mole star. Scientists have discovered that it is the most amazing organ for touch. This little star that's about one centimeter square has 25,000 tiny projections called Imer's organs, and these Imer's organs are connected to the brain by 100,000 nerve fibers. This is more than six times the number of nerve fibers that connect our hand to our brain. 
Scientists suppose that the star-nosed mole can feel things in its environment down to the microscopic level. Star-nosed moles have been given the title of fastest eating animal. With its star, it can identify and gulp down a tasty insect in 120 milliseconds. We as creationists recognize the incredible created design of this fast fossorial animal. But just how would an evolutionist explain the existence of the star-nosed mole? Evolutionists believe that the star evolved over time by mutation and natural selection. However, all other moles live and hunt successfully without a star. They just have a pointy, sensitive nose. So the question to evolutionists would be, what is the environmental pressure that would favor a star over no star? Besides, while that star was evolving, all those nerve cells would have to be growing to the brain, and the brain would have to be evolving the ability to interpret the nerve impulses correctly as food or not food. This is a nice story, but this kind of increase in complexity, one step at a time, has never been observed. A much better explanation is the creation of a star-nosed mole by an all-wise creator with all the parts of the star working from the very beginning. In a moment, we'll hear about a common backyard pest that wreaks havoc on nicely mowed lawns and beautiful flower beds. Right now, though, let's continue our focus on unusual underground dwellers. This next little critter, which could really use a tailor and a good dentist, has become a popular zoo exhibit over the past couple of decades. Cindy Carlson explains. Another fossorial animal that is very peculiar is the naked mole rat. The name describes what this creature looks like, but it's neither a mole nor a rat. It is not a rat because it lives underground, and it's not a mole because it's mostly vegetarian. It is not an insectivore, and it digs with its teeth and not its paws. These four to six inch creatures have pinkish brown, wrinkly skin with about 100 hairs on their body that act like whiskers. But when you look at them, they look like they have no fur at all, hence the name. They have large heads with four large incisors protruding from the front of their face, and they certainly would not win any beauty contest. People that live in the Horn of Africa have been familiar with the naked mole rat for a long time. They call them sand puppies. But it wasn't until the 1970s when they were discovered by Western biologists. And since then, they've been showing up in zoos all over the world. If you get the opportunity to observe these fascinating little creatures, you'll find them very entertaining. When mole rats dig a tunnel, they line up nose to tail. The animal in front is the digger, and he uses his teeth to break through new soil. Those behind him are called sweepers and use their feet to sweep the soil to the next guy. Finally, the last one in line is called the volcanoer, and he kicks the dirt out of the hole to the surface. In this way, they dig literally miles of tunnels in one year, and single colonies of between 80 to 300 individuals will inhabit a large network of tunnels linking nest areas, toilet chambers, and food pantries that cover an area the size of several football fields. And these industrious fossorial animals have specialized physical features to fit their way of life. The mole rat has four front teeth for digging, and these are no ordinary teeth. They are long, strong, and sharp, 
and they protrude from the face above and below the mouth. That enables this little creature to keep his mouth shut while he's digging. These large front teeth can be moved independently and open and close, kind of like chopsticks. They also grow continuously because they get worn down by digging. Living in tight spaces underground presents certain challenges. For one thing, it's stuffy. There is less oxygen and more carbon dioxide than above the ground, so God equipped them with specialized red blood cells that capture oxygen better than animals that live above ground. The most amazing thing about these little animals is that they are eusocial. This means that their social structure is like the ant, termite, and bee. They share everything, living space, food, and even their mom. That's right, there's one female that gives birth to the whole colony. That is really unheard of in the group of animals that we call mammals. The naked mole rat leads a very interesting life indeed. But how is it that this animal is so well equipped for its environment? Why would a mammal have the same social structure as the ant, termite, or bee? Evolutionary scientists are not sure. They compare them to other mole rats and say they don't know whether it's a newly evolved trait or the trait of a hypothetical ancestor. They say that becoming eusocial happened because they were living underground and they needed to have that kind of social structure. Creationists interpret shared characteristics such as this throughout God's creation as testimony that there is one God who made it all. He gives traits to his creatures as needed for them to function and survive in their environment. The Bible says that when we look at what God made, we can see God's power and wisdom. And we can certainly see it in this little creature that lives under the African desert. Now, we turn our attention to a fossorial animal that can frustrate even the most gentle of gardeners as it plows up an entire backyard. Dr. Job Martin of the video series Incredible Creatures That Defy Evolution says even though gophers are not favored by many people, they are wonderfully designed by God. First of all, they have all kinds of special equipment. Their front paws have huge, like, toenails on them or fingernails, and that's for digging their burrows and digging their holes. They live down there under the ground. Most of the burrows are like a foot down, and some of them are as much as six feet down where they would make their nests and have some of their pantries and things like that. And then they have big teeth also, compared to a mole that doesn't have big teeth like this. Matter of fact, their teeth are used like if a gopher gets to where it can't seem to dig through with its feet, maybe some extra hard soil or maybe it bumps into the root of a tree or something, it'll take those teeth and just chew its way through. So just how does a gopher maneuver in its home beneath that layer of beautiful green grass in your backyard? It'll push the dirt up out of these tunnels when it's digging away and chewing away and and it's like it does a somersault. It'll be right at the end of its tunnel where it's digging, and now it's pushed a lot of dirt behind it, and it'll do a like a somersault, turn around, and then push all the dirt up and out. And one of the amazing things, I think, that our Lord has done, it's almost like their tail has an eye in it. Now, it doesn't, but it doesn't have many hairs, but it has these bristles that are very, very sensitive to different things. And they can run backwards in these tunnels almost as fast as they can run forward 
and their tail tells them what's going on back there. It's amazing to think about the infinite wisdom and power of God as the creator of all. However, it's even more incredible to consider the love that God shows to mankind. Dr. Martin says our creator is also our savior. He says, look, I made everything. I made it from the, the universe to the smallest thing in it. And all I ask is that you believe in me, receive me. So that's, that's exactly what our Lord did. He stepped out of his glory, stepped into planet Earth about 2,000 years ago. He died on that cross to take the penalty for our sin. And he says that he's giving us a gift. The gift is eternal life. And all he wants us to do is receive him as our Lord and Savior. Just ask him, forgive our sins. I'm Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.